Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today is episode 64. And um, it's nice just to be back, the two of us actually, as yeah. much as I love, having, I love having guests on. And we've had some wicked ones recently, but it feels like we haven't actually caught up on things for a while. So we're just going to have a chat. And there was a couple of things that came up this week about feeling shamed as a mum for the choices that we make and the kind of pressure that um, mums feel under, which is definitely um, part of our story and and part of a lot of women's story, I think, and why they um, start to drink problematically. Uh, So we thought we'd have a little chat about that today. Um, So just before we start... um, a couple of uh, things. We do have a patrons or matrons um, uh, account for people. So if you like what we do, um, Kate and us, uh, we fund this ourselves at the moment. So we have some really, really nice donations for some people. So if you uh, would like to donate, that would be amazing. And you can find the details on www.lovesober.com or on our Facebook page or in our Facebook community page. Um, I'm speaking at an event in Bristol next uh, week. So that's the 8th of uh, Feb. I believe it may be sold out, but I think they're trying to try and release some more tickets. So if you're in the West Country, um, please come along. And if you are going, then please come and say hi, because don't be you know, shy to come and say hi. Please do. I'd love to meet you. Um, and very excitingly, Kate is on the She Recovers podcast next week. So please look out for that. And obviously, we will share that on social media. Um, and also just uh, we never talk about these things, um, which is why I'm like, no, 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 I don't know how to say it, but um, awkward British. Um, yeah, if you like what we do, if you can rate and review on iTunes, it helps us go up in the listings and it helps people find us. So, um, yeah, just uh, those little things really kind of help us to keep going. So there we go. Public <laughs> announcements. Yeah. Over. Yeah. So we'll just check in as normal. So hi, Kate. How are you doing? Hiya. Yeah, it's really nice to just have a chat between the two of us today. Um, and as you know, it's been a very difficult week. This end to the ongoing school situation. Um, yeah, just, I, I mean, you know, I think at some point I really want to kind of talk about the whole lot of it, you know. <laughs> like a proper expose it's probably like if I'm know myself it's often after the event when I can reflect Mm. that I can properly talk about it but the longer it goes on the less shame I feel about it interestingly like we're talking today and the more anger I feel in general about the system in the UK in terms Mm. of helping kids with mental health, with supporting parents, with supporting caregivers, mental health, you know, and that support for the family. Like, one, if you ever have the misfortune to kind of not fit the mould, then it's a real eye-opener. So and I'm kind of in the middle of that, as you know, Mand, and it's pretty hardcore, dude, and I'm like, thank God I'm sober. And I was thinking mm. today... I kind of know what to do to manage myself. So 
I'm really grateful for that, I have to say. Like I know I'm going like to sit to your book to massage, I'm going to get to yoga. I know I can what I need to do to manage. So um mm. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, sort of <laughs> in I feel like I'm in battle mode. Uh, mm. yeah, how are you? Um I'm yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. Yeah. Uh I went for a cranial cuz I've been getting interestingly my migraines and sort of bad headaches have come back and so I went for a cranial osteopathy um, appointment today and um, so we looked and the last time I saw him was two years ago so that's quite interesting so I was like "Mm, I wonder why Um, and it's absolutely fascinating because it's all about because I was like you know what are you doing to my my scalp and um and sort of where and it was all on the right side like behind the ear he was like it's it's rock hard basically whereas your you know your skull should be quite sort of um soft and have movement and and um and he was like well that's all the area protecting the hypothalamus and I was like oh okay (laughs) so that's all the kind of trauma fight flight stuff I don't know so yeah it's very I'm I'm becoming more and more fascinated with that kind of somatic side of like mm. you know how how things sharpen our body and how we can you know tap into that um what else has been going on i had a really really great meeting with um the icad women yesterday so we we're kind of working with icad this year to help develop kind of public awareness of what they do uh, and uh, they confirmed that we'll be speaking at their conference in in london in may which is amazing um and just a really brilliant conversation about bringing you know because they obviously work a lot with the you know medical professionals and the academia side of things so looking at why addiction occurs looking at you know problematic relationships looking at mental health working Mm. with the psychologists the psychiatrists the you know the um rehab units etc and then we're coming from the plebs <laughs> from from the, the the real people's point of view mm. from like the people that the, the service users i suppose mm. but also um, we're coming from the we we got involved with them as coaches so it's how yeah coaching and strength-based evidence-based practices yeah oh what the intersection and the conversation between existing mental health practitioners aren't aren't there in the medical profession but obviously yeah. we've what led us into that is our own personal stories so we've got that perspective on it i think um yeah yeah which is which is great on both sides so yeah yeah, yeah. they're gonna sort of provide hopefully some guests for the podcast that will be kind of relevant to people that listen Mm -hmm. um and really interesting conversations um and just that there is shifting dialogue and shifting in language about how we talk about Mm. um this kind of triangle of trauma, mental health and um, addiction or dependency or maladaptive behaviour, whatever you'd mm. like to call it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm really excited, excited about that. <clears throat> yeah. And that feels building... like big girl pants to me. Yeah. That's we've like... done quite a lot of big girl we've pants. We've done a lot recently. of big girl pants, haven't we? Amongst all the kind of trauma, trauma and... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the parenting, parenting and the care of burnout and the yeah. mental health issues and the neurodiversity yeah. picking Woo-hoo! up dirty pants of our children's off, off the floor and oh, yeah. yeah all that stuff yeah 
and sniffing them to make so sure if they're dirty. Up... <laughs> don't talk, <I> don't talk. <laughs> Why do we do that? I yeah. don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we came to this conversation. We had a big old ranty conversation between mm. the two of us, didn't we, the other day? No. Because I've <laughs> because I've been reading a book about parenting. Um, and I know a lot of people, I will caveat this because I, I know if I'd read this book on another day and through a different sort of set of eyes and if I hadn't already read a lot of parenting books and if I wasn't you know massively studying that as a coach and as a kind of professional I I probably would have got a lot out of this book but yeah there were certain sort of themes so the book I'm talking about is uh, I think it's called the book you wish your parents had read and the book that your children will be happy that you read or something that's mm. de- definitely not the official title um and so the the premise of it, which is is great, is that you know that everything is connected. So you know the the way that you parent, you need to look back at how you were parented as a child, and you also look need to look back at, about the impact that you have on your kids. You see me sort of swallowing there. And yeah, like, and I'm like, oh, really? Again? Sorry, and maybe that's but, just because um, yeah, yeah. So. But I think what we what we sort of we sort of highlighted is that a lot of this is very shaming for mums because mm. a lot of it is based on attachment theory. So what I will say is that I absolutely believe that you know attachment theory has part of the conversation. I will also believe uh, say that I you know that adverse childhood experiences have a huge impact on people um, and, you know, developing maladaptive behaviours. I completely believe that. Mm. But my issue is, what if you didn't have any attachment issues as a child, but you still got into trouble in life? Mm. What if you did have attachment issues as a child, but then you're a complete badass and have gone into recovery and recovered. What does mm. that say if you're supposed to be, you know, forever fucked up because of attachment theory? And also, how does this work? And how is this um, still the the underlying conversation that we're having for 21st century's mum that have no support? Yeah, um, that's my big thing. And yeah. where are the dads? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, so I mean, I guess like I'll start with the kind of um, you know my experience, I suppose. I'll put my my own experience. So I I don't identify any adverse child experiences, childhood experiences. Um, that I do recognise kind of um, maternal intergenerational mental health issues. So mm. there was nothing about that in this book. Like there was nothing about um, ADHD, neurodiversity and nothing Mm. about mental health. So my mum was an incredible mum. She breastfed me for a long time. She had an amazing birth. She said she could have like had me in a field. Um, You know, my dad was present. Like he's a social worker. You know, I have a very, very solid basis. Um, 
and I'm very, very lucky for that. So yes, there is mental health that went through, you know, my grandma, my mom, me, and also, um, but then I, I got into a lot of problems, you know, in my life. So for me, that, you know, laying everything at the doorstep of my mum mm. and how she was and then laying all the doorstep of responsibility on me makes me feel really uncomfortable because does that mean that because I was unwell, my kids are going to be, you know, fucked up? So this is, so I read this book just going, okay, but A, I mean, we talked about this the other day. What about maternal mental health? Mm. You know, so yes, breastfeeding, yes, you know, attachment, yes, co-sleeping, all these things. But what if that is making the mother ill? And yeah. we don't live in a village where we have loads and loads of support around mm. us where these kind of, you know, the the, the backstory of all these theories are so you know we're surely we're adapting and adaptive kind of that's why we are the the king of the species and we are you know we're not monkeys anymore because we we adapt and change so surely mm. there's room to change the conversation about this I suppose yeah um and also, like, I was thinking about the work of resilience, you know, and like Boris Silnik's work, which I really love. And, you know, he was a Holocaust survivor and his parents died in the Holocaust. And he spent his life, he's a French kind of um, psychotherapist, and he mm. spent his life studying children in um, war-torn countries. So in Bosnia, in <clears throat> in certain African um I think he was in, I, I, I wouldn't want to say the, the wrong place, but um, he, you know, through his own experience in kind of uh, Nazi Germany, you know, and mm. he, he was looking at, like, why do some kids get better mm. and have and thrive? Yeah. And why do some kids don't? You know, and going into orphanages and looking at the kids where it was like they had no attachment. Mm. But some of them, yeah, were able to be resilient and some of them weren't. And yeah. that was the work of flow, wasn't it? Creativity and flow. Was mm. that his? Yeah. No, no. He's he's the the resilience guy, Boris okay. Silnik. Yeah, that's his book. And um, yeah. And I just like I get it. I get, but I just think we were talking about it that like I was so terrified because of these you know, con consistent sort of rhetoric in all uh, parenting books, I was absolutely terrified that I was going to fuck up my kids. Mm. So I went in as an anxious mother because of these, you know... The scaremongering. Yeah. yeah. Um, and mm. also, like, so if you if you go back to work, you know, what, what does that mean? And we had, we've got a friend, you know, in... Uh, who's a scientist in the States, you know, she has a very, very kind of important job. And she said, you know, that's one of the reasons why she drank because, mm. because of that mum guilt, because of that kind of, you know, mm. that, that shaming because she had an important job, mm. but her, she is an amazing mum and she is like, her kids are awesome. So I just, 
I think there's a few things in there for me. There's a few strands that I'm like like writing down and trying to mind map. But for me, some of the key issues are the the noise of it all somehow. The fact that everybody has an opinion. As soon, like it was a real eye-opener to me. As soon as I got pregnant, people were talking to me in a way that they hadn't before. And commenting on how I look and what I was doing and what I was eating and da-da-da-da-da, whatever. And then there's the, and that goes all the way through when you're potty training, when you're down to what, whether your kids, you know, why hasn't she got a coat on? It's cold. Because she won't wear a coat because her she's really hot. Fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Like literally get out of my face. What are you, her mum? So there's all of that. And then there's the other thing, which is, so there's the noise and the opinions. And then there's the just the kind of lack of support which is for the primary care, which is for caregivers, which is for family because of the breakdown of kind of um, extended family structures and communities. We've got that. And then the other thing that I think for me is that because of the kind of the noise and the opinions and the disconnect of some kind of the, the instinct with it, the instinct with yourself and to be able to have that confidence to be able to say, oh, actually, that's fine, you know? So there's because of all the information, there's sort of been an erosion of, of all of that. Um, mm. And those those all fed in for me, I think. It was the, the I'm already anxious about this. You know, you are going to be anxious. You're a new mum, mm. right? And so you, you love are, your kids and you want to try and do have the best. An overwhelming love for them and you're terrified. Remember when we, we bought our son home from the hospital our eldest and we were like how if they let us leave hospital with one of these <laughs> what, what, what are we doing and it's such an amazing beautiful special time and terrifying and all the rest mm. of it and I mean it is a proper rite of passage and it is a massive it was a massive thing um but yeah there's that uh, but that lack of support as well I I think that you know, all that, that I think that's come later for me was it, it, and it's very much what I'm going what I'm going through now. But it's also that 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 kind of deviating from any of the norms as well, because it was like. And, to, and you're basically damned if you are and damned, damned if you do and damned if you don't. Right. So, yeah. like, I did not want to sleep with my child because I was afraid that I would roll over and kill him like someone had said. And someone yeah. had said that a baby fell down behind the radiator and died, right? I don't know why I'm, why I'm not laughing at that. But, you know, this kind of, you know, extreme, like, Daily Mail kind of, like, fear sort of stuff like that with with conflicting advice about, okay, mm. you should sleep with them, you shouldn't sleep with them, blah, 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 blah. And, um, yeah, and I didn't want to breastfeed for very long either and the amount of shit I got for that was just like mm-hmm. absolutely unbelievable but when I really pieced it together for me it was like but I can't sleep I, I need to share this because I started seeing flashing lights and I had neurological problems through sleep deprivation within about a month so I did need a different feeding solution like for mm-hmm. my mental health but because I was not thinking about my mental health and I literally everything was focused on the baby um and then I got really told off about it, mm. you know, and it's all of that. And it's like, but actually, you know, that was a really good decision for all of us. You know? Yeah. But I, don't, I only had the confidence 
with that in hindsight you know? in hindsight yeah exactly. yeah and I think like um well again there's a few things in terms of you know looking at like this assumption that the the best and the only and the most important role for a child is their mother mm. and it's like you know I you know I, I just I actually you know hand on I actually just don't believe that I no, just really don't I don't not I in our think, society now no, no I don't no I don't you know and it's and ridiculous like, like I think you can have incredible parents that are you know mm. your grandparents you could have incredible parents that are you know a gay couple mm. you could you know you could like yes there's going to be conversations around that changing the model of the natural family unit Mm. but I don't necessarily mean that that means that a child is going to be Be damaged yeah and Um, I said to you didn't I you know that that whole thing about the breastfeeding thing that was such a big thing at the time and I was like it's not like he was neglected when I wasn't feeding at night my husband was gazing adoringly at him as he fed him Mm. through the night and it really helped their bonding so Mm. Like, but but quite recently, someone had said something to me. It was a, the social worker that had come around like about two months ago, and had said something about um, schooling, um, and had said, "Well, you know, you mustn't like it would be really bad if he boarded because there, you know, because of all the attachment, the attachment issues, you know, and there's probably attachment issues in the past." And it was like, "You don't." even fucking know me how can Mm. you like why is that why would you trot that out and it's like people I remember someone around the corner as well when um at primary school I had a comment this is mum shaming by other mums this woman said to me um she said yeah it's just so strange because they were talking about this other child that had been expelled from the from primary school and they'd said you know obviously that you know dreadful family like awful family but you know we think about your son won't mention his name and it's just like well why is he like he is because you know you're you're absolutely fine you know and Mm. I was thinking you know again it's like okay so a part of this is like the adverse childhood experiences right and if there haven't been those so people automatically assume that you're a hideous parent or that there's some kind of attachment fucked up issue, you know, they were, or, and again, so that's the mother. Um, and that other piece, which you said earlier on about the kinds of what's coming much more into the foreground now is that sort of neurodiversity, mm. um, which is presenting more and more and more, or, or maybe we're just kind of more aware of it, which is definitely sort of in our family, um, generationally, which we didn't know about. So, you know, I just I just think there's all every every way you turn, it's there's not enough focus on mum or the caregiver saying, what do you need? You know, what do you need right now? What do you need to be well? What do you need to be present? What do you need to give you a break? And how do we support you? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because all the, the attachment theory does is, like you say, it really, really puts pressure on the primary caregiver as the literally the the umbilical cord has not been cut, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, we could probably, 
I could probably attach it to a patriarchal uh, system, you know, that mm. like, um, as you say, it's like we d we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't, yeah, you know, yeah. like a, some, some sort of, you know, some sort of man, some sort of uh, non-feminist man would say, well, you, you asked for it, you wanted to go out to work, like, you know, now you're moaning about it because you haven't got enough support. But it's like, well, we can't, we actually can't stop having babies. Um, mm. And actually, it's very convenient that this whole, and this is what annoys me about a lot of these conversations, a lot of these books are written by men. Mm. I must say that the book I just read was written by a woman. Um, so I was like, that's why I was so excited. And I think why I was so disappointed with the kind of rhetoric, because a lot of these books, you know, and I get a lot of from you know, some amazing, amazing <clears throat> writers that are men. But when they start talking about, that, like Gabor Mate, for example, you know, that he was an anxious child because his mum was anxious. And so, and that's why he became an addict. It's like, <laughs> like, I get it. I get that it's part, it's of, the part of the puzzle, but it's the, it's it's seen as the link. It's this is, oh, yeah. QED, that is why. And... It's yeah, like you say, it's so it's part part of the puzzle, but it's not the whole piece. Hmm. And it's sort of um yeah, I don't know, it just gets trotted out time and time again. And there is that bit, it's like, okay, it's almost like fine, we've identified that. Stop bloody going on about it. It's good to have a little nod to it, but hmm. it doesn't matter anyway because it's already fucking happened anyway. So what are you supposed to do with that? And it's yeah. again that thing about that I have a bit of an issue with talk therapy and the whole Freudian kind of monopoly on people's mental health for mm. the last century that everyone assumes that if you sit down and you talk about it, that's going to help in any way. And, you know, you talked about the somatic things. It's like, OK, maybe I'm not fucked up. Maybe I just need someone to babysit for me for a while. <laughs> Let's not yeah. analyse this. Let's just get some fucking support in there. A bit more sleep. Do you know what I mean? Let's look at strength base. What do you do well? It's not like what went wrong. It's like the resilience thing. Like, what are mm. you doing really well? What are the gaps? Yeah. What are you bossing it coaching. out? Which is why yeah. we, we love coaching. We love the positive, applied positive psychology because it helps people thrive and grow and you know you've got to the point right where you've got but you've got kids you're Matt you are like already doing like pretty well right aren't you you've managed to brush your teeth in the morning you've managed to get yourself to work or whatever or you've you've got a roof over your head hopefully you are bringing up a, a another human being it's like you're already using a lot of skills that you wouldn't even know that you're using Mm. you're already and and it makes me mad that then you know like think about my situation and the kind of shaming we've had in school meetings because no one picked up on his neurodiversity right mm. and they're just looking at you and the 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 amount of shaming and what myself and my husband are have managed to put in place this year and cope with despite bereavements despite redundancy despite this very extreme situation what we've managed to do 
whilst the whole of the system flounders around and just goes, oh, I don't know, it's, some, it, you, it's your job, no, it's your job, no, it's your no, job, no, it's your job, and we've still managed to cope with it. It's like, okay, can we start celebrating those strengths instead yeah. of a social worker talk to me about attachment theory? I'm like, go and do your fucking job, please. <laughs> or like, clean my toilet, because that would help, that would help more than you talking shit at me right <laughs> oh no i've hit my ramp button you touched the nerve you touched the nerve but do you know what i mean it is it's like that strength based on working with people in a respectful trauma-informed gender-informed carer-informed neurodiversity-informed way instead of this archaic bollocks people are talking and then pointing the finger back at the parents back at the mother and then having yeah mainly at the mother like I had another person a professional say to me again this you know in a totally different conversation really just like this assumed wisdom of like well yes it usually is something to do with the mother and it's like I can't believe that came out of your mouth, right? I cannot believe that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, on your, I mean, on your, your, you had a, you know, a very good relationship with your mum too, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have no mum issues. If there was any kind of, Mm. it was to do with your dad. Yeah, I got plenty of dad issues. Like I could do a whole another 64 podcast <laughs> episodes on dad issues by but my mom is like she's she's a fantastic yeah. she is just such a wicked person and it's kind of like I guess it's that you know as you say it's like celebrating the successes it's mm. like okay stuff might have happened like okay like I was very I mean, obviously, this touch is raw, and this is why we wanted to talk about it because mm. I know so many women feel like they've done it wrong, and they feel all mm. this guilt, and they feel all this shame because it's like you know they were unwell, or they had a dependency, or they had a, a problem, or their marriage broke down, and it affected the kids. And mums take it all on their yeah, back. no, not I did completely like you know I had depression and. PTSD so I was shouting at my kids so now my kids going to be fucked up and it's all my fault and it's like can we not flip that and go I got well like Mm. I stopped drinking like I know loads about resilience like I know my kids are going to be absolutely amazing because we can heal and we can like change direction like nothing is stuck like Mm. you know at one point in that book it says something like if you do this you will have an impact on your children's mental health. Mm. Like, no, like... Um, what was that? Was that breastfeeding that... or was that the attachment? No, I, I can't remember what it was. It was about... Um, I think it was about... Um, I can't remember. But it was a part of the sort of um, how you speak to kids or how you... Mm. you um, yeah, but getting angry or something. It's just mm. like everything but... can be... Yeah, you 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 made me feel so much better. Remember when we talked last week, and it hadn't occurred because I'm so in such a kind of acute period at the moment, which is is really full on trying to just cope with every day. Um, and it hadn't occurred to me that, and you, I think you said something like, "But you can all recover." 
and he he can recover he'll recover you'll recover recovery is possible and and I'd forgotten that and I was like yeah that that's right it's all gonna it will be okay because we're all capable of this and because of all the strengths because of all the things because of all the love because of all the support as well um because of all of that and because of life and time and the passage of time and the fact that recovery is possible we'll be all right you know and it's that hope as well I think it's for people when they're struggling rather than laying on the troweling on the kind of the shame and the guilt it's like looking at the strength and also giving hope it's like yeah well you know again the benefit of hindsight do you know what I mean it's like oh that'll be wonderful to kind of of have that but remember when people are in it they need hope and they need skills and they need tools they need encouragement mm. and remember and it's all it's kind of it's hard isn't it like parenting and being a mum is is hard it's hard work yeah anyway because it's tiring and they push your buttons and for all the kind of things we already know but without and then what we could really do without is all of that you know the shaming on top of that the opinions yeah you know I don't know what I don't I try there's 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 someone at school as well that I really I look down my nose at and I'm really trying not in this I tell you what actually this experience that I'm having has been a bit of a wake-up call for me because I did always assume that if you have a crap you children are a bit crap if they have a crap family life Mm. yeah so it was like I blame the parents I always would blame the parents um except I'd be blaming the mum I I guess um Actually, no, I'm not sure that's true because of my dad issues. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, it's never the mum's fault. <laughs> that's why I don't like attachment issues because I'm like, no, it's never the mum. It's always the dad. <laughs> but I, it has, I just feel like, you know, it's it goes back to that thing about you have no idea what is going on for people. You yeah. have no idea what those people have been through. You have no idea what they're dealing with on a daily basis. You have no idea the love they give their kids. You have no freaking idea. So, you know, and that that is compassion work for me. I have to say I have to work on the self-compassion always. But that for me is a little bit of a kind of, yeah... Yeah, but just, that's that, that, I mean, that goes across all of it, doesn't it? it? Does. Because that's the stig, that's the stigma of you know of of working class mums that have yeah. got um, that drink too much and yeah, mid, smoke up, out mid class that. white yeah. women that drink too much. You know, yeah. and the stigma of how they're looked upon. It's like all of a sudden, yeah. you know, oh no, that's not a problem. I just like a gin and tonic, and that's a bad mum. Mm. It's like, excuse me, that's 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 bullshit. Mm. And yeah, and and when you're looking at I mean what you've been facing in terms of Mm. um, the support that you've got and if you look at you know any kind of cut of privilege you Mm. know if you're you know rich white and you know and have access to support then your kids have got a a lot you know Mm better chance and you love them they've got a lot better chance than if you're poor yeah uh, and you know of any other mm. sort of 
colour than white. Yeah. Um, and you love your kids. It's like you can love your kids to death and be the best mum, but mm. if every everywhere you turn, they're, they're getting doors shut on them, then yeah. they don't have the same chances, do they? So, mm. yeah, I would definitely call bullshit on any judgment <clears> of <throat> any mums because of what you think yeah. they're doing or what they feed their kids or whatever, you know. Yeah, whatever. yeah, I like... Mean, come on. Yeah, like. 100%. 100%. I remember, though, I have to say this. I, I, will talk, I don't think I could talk about it at the time because I felt so ashamed. But when this all started happening about a year ago and suddenly we had a social worker and I was like, again, I, I'm, but I'm middle class. Like, I'm like, I'm love, I'm love soap and I'm really middle class. It's like, how, how have I got a social worker? So I had that kind of snobbery, right? I did have that. And, and I mean, it's like a, one of our friends that, you know, works in the field. It's like, it is a sort of maybe an unusual fit say you know what I mean Mm. but and she had said like so she would go and interview the kids and then come back and report back about what they'd said right and you know what kind of kids are like and what they said and she looked at me and she looked at me really concerned and said um sometimes your daughter said sometimes you just kind of leave food out for them Right, so my daughter is like, what, she was like seven at the time, right? Um, and I was like, no. I was a bit like, I spent my whole fucking life in the kitchen. I don't know what she's talking yeah. about. And then it reminded me, I remembered what it was. It's like some mornings they used to really like it when we had students staying, where I would lay the whole table and like leave croissants out and cereals and fruits and so she, my daughter was saying it in a positive way. It's like, my mommy sometimes leaves food, you know, like leaves food out for us. But it all goes through this negative filter. And I said mm. to her, I said, do you mean when we had those students? And like, I used to like leave food on the table, like, you know, like do all the breakfast properly mm. instead of just running around going, who what, who needs toast? Does anyone need some porridge? Like it was yeah. like really posh. And, um, and she and my daughter said, yeah. And it was just, but it got put through this negative filter. She automatically assumed that that was a sign of neglect. Mm. Like without even finding out about me. And I felt shamed. I cried when she left my house for the first time because Mm. of that. Because I I couldn't articulate it at the time. But I was being shamed. And I was Mm. like, but but that, yeah. So, and then... I just think for people, times that by 10, times that by 20, times that by 30. Like, I'm lucky enough that my husband is amazing and supports me. Like, I do have the skills to kind of deal with my situation most of the time. But then when you're, you know, you're dealing with the media, social media, the shaming of women in the press, then you might, you know, have something like that. It's like layers and layers and layers of this kind of shame. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's and very, it's, it's a very heavy, heavy burden for people, I think, for mums. I think it's intolerably heavy sometimes. And that's yeah, and why then that's you why, wonder why, yeah, we have yeah, maladaptive Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think that's why, like, you know, when, when there was this kind of, you know, sort of honest parenting thing mm. and people started sort of like uh, showing pictures of their life what it really was where yeah. there was like you know sort of like the washing still up and like you know having a glass of wine and just sort of like trying to get through became yeah. socially acceptable because it was like oh god this is really hard and at least we're now yeah. talking about it um and there are some great things yeah. about being I mean, honest love about all struggle, of that yeah but 
it suddenly door. got tied up with the alcohol thing, like we said. It suddenly yeah. became synonymous with normalising problematic drinking. So yeah. it was like it's almost the right conversation. It just didn't ask the right question about what do you actually need. Yeah. And again, you could bring that back to the bring that back to the patriarchy. That yeah. it is very convenient that you know you can like yet again. It's like you know, the Valium of the kind of 60s and then mm. the wine of the kind of, you know, the millennials yeah. of just like, right, like, buy this. Ooh, pretty, pretty. Mm. It's like, it's a solution to yeah. those times that are tough. Yeah. Mum, you know, yeah. drink this wine, this pink gin, this like, you know, <clears throat> herbally infused mm. kind of vodka or whatever. Um mm. Well, it's sit down and shut up again, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah. It's like, don't make fast, just get on with it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Um, talking of that, I've really got to go because I've got to go pick up my son. He's <laughs> <laughs> probably in a field somewhere because like, he's got rugby and, like, you know. Oh, yeah. So, but I, yeah. So, what I do feel... we say? We say, fuck the shame. We call bullshit. I've sworn more in this episode than ever before. It's a good job it's not um, the one before Christmas. I won't even mention their name in the same e- podcast because no. they'll probably <laughs> never work with us again if we do. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, I think we just, I think because it's honest conversation, mm. right? And this is what a lot of women are feeling. And that's why a lot of women. Yeah are self-medicating with alcohol because they feel ashamed and they feel yeah. like they're not good enough mm. and part of that is the massive massive huge pressure we put on ourselves yeah but a lot of that is the messages and blatant shaming we get from mm. the outside world constantly you know and it's like we are all just trying our best mm. and you know that's good enough so that's kind of what I wanted yeah, to say yeah good enough parenting I love that yeah okay well if you are immediately struggling with you we haven't done a um a love sober a reason to love sober um okay reason to love sober is uh our community Mm. we've got we set up our facebook community and there's some really beautiful exchanges happening and honest conversation. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, the reason to love sober is that you can find people that you can talk to, you know, so just reach out and find people. Mm. And you? My reason to love sober is just the um, increased resilience um, and clarity and uh, rebound ability my bandwidth to cope mm. with the bullshit of life. <laughs> the bullshit of life. Uh, yeah, at the moment, that's my reason to love sober today. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. not always, but today it is. Good one, dude. And what's the tip, tip of the day? day? Tip of the day is just keep on keeping on, you know, things like this. Get a mantra, you know. We were, I was posting about that in the group. Like, this too shall pass, you know. Um I love Soham for me, which is all that I am, something like that in Sanskrit, all that I am, you know, because we are complex, you know, us as mums, we're like, we're complex, we're, we're big, you know, our worlds are big, our worlds are important and, you know, it's like that is, encapsulates a lot for me is is that trying to accept all that, you know, accept and love and honour and work with all that I am right now. What about you? Nice. Um, 
Well, what you said earlier was quite interesting. It's like that, you know, the shame, when the shame becomes anger, mm. you know, you can like, you can transfer kind of uh, what we would say negative or bad emotions and, and put them into a powerful sort of positive force. So it's like, you know, when you can, because we needed this conversation because it's something that we've been feeling, right? So mm. enabling us to be like, you know what, this is what's wrong with it and I'm going to like talk about it and I'm going to get angry and I'm going to be an activist and I'm going to, mm. you know, try to change these things that pushes you away from this blame shame yeah. experience to an empowered experience. Mm. Um, so yeah, get angry, get even, but don't hurt anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Okay. I've really right, got um, go. Yeah. Okay. So if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, do reach out. Um, alcohol change have agencies of support in your area. So Baristas has a, um, uh, anonymous ask the doctor service and you can find our facebook group get in touch with us our site's undergoing maintenance at the moment but we you can email us or get or get us on instagram it's info at lovesober.com or find mandy underscore lovesober um that's the wrong address but you can find us on instagram <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and um tune in next week for more ranting no we'll try not to rant so much next week all right we'll have a guest on yeah we we better bloody have a guest on don't we (laughs) Bye. bye bye love